0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Howdy, friends. Out of Patience is on hiatus for a couple of weeks, so for the next few Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to be dropping our best of In Case You Missed It episodes from 2022 and 2021. Of course, if you didn't miss it, you don't have to listen to it, but we hope in case you did miss it, you'll enjoy the episode that you missed. I think that made sense. In any case, if you did miss this episode, we hope you enjoy it. New episodes of Out of Patience, Vaxon, and some new correspondent segments will be dropping starting September 6th. Thank you, and have an amazing summer. Yeah. Megan Clerches, I'm looking right at you. You're physically here in the room. <laughs> How novel. It's me. Yes. You know, for years. Actually, I've known you months. For months. <laughs> I thought Claire Chase was your last name. Am I the only person on the planet? You're not going to head? No, of course not.
0: Every single time, even <laughs> every time I make a, a flight or a reservation or even just talking with people, they're like, oh, so hi, Megan and Claire Chase. And I'm like, "Or well, hi, Miss Claire Chase. I'm like, hi, I have a hyphen. It's Megan Claire.
1: Yeah, the hyphen's over there.
0: It's Megan-Claire. Oh, we just rhymed.
1: So, Megan-Claire, I've never heard those two words strung together as a first name. Your parents are very innovative.
0: Okay, there's a story. I was not born Megan-Claire. I made that up.
1: A pseudonym, how theatrical.
0: You know, my first name, my given name Your is name Megan. My given name
1: was Ida Dershowitz. Yes, You looked the part.
0: You found me out. (laughs) Um, No, it's Megan. And then I grew up Catholic and I was confirmed and I took the saint's name, Claire. And one day I was doing a lot of theater growing up and I was getting bored because everyone seemed to be named Megan. And I was like, I want to be special. And uh, so I that was the
1: Karen of its day.
0: Uh, not that kind of special (laughs) not that kind and i came down the steps and i was like mother will you call me madison and she's like uh no and i was like okay um i want to be called something different catherine she's like no you have to have your first name but you can add to it And i was like "Ooh, okay so i was like oh megan claire She's like, oh, I like it. I was like, oh, me too. And then um, I literally went to school that day. I was a sophomore. And I was like, I will only answer to Megan Claire." So by the time I graduated, it's literally on my high school diploma. But then.
1: But you respond to my text when I call you MC. I do. Which I also use for Mallory Casperson, by the way. <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny because I was never even called MC until I went to college and it was my guy friends that came up with it because they were like, we know you get so upset. We just call you Megan and we can't remember the whole Megan Claire. Uh, so came and call you MC? And I was like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. All right.
1: I see another name change feature. <laughs> MC Chase. Done. Done. Shake and bake. <laughs> By the way, listeners, this is the giggle show. If you can chime in on Twitter at Matthew Zachary with how many giggles you hear, you'll win an iPad. <laughs> and by that, I mean you're not going to win an iPad, but you might just win Twitter.
0: <laughs> I love to laugh. <laughs> it's good.
1: It's infectious. It's really good. Shucks. Now I understand why you're so famous. <laughs> you burst onto the scene like, who is this? I need to know this person. No. No, your kids are like, you know, not terribly recently but we're of the same generation. I do want to talk about like being an AYA graduate, so to speak, mm-hmm. but how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 39. Right. So you were at the cusp of being accepted into the club. Yes. Did you immediately find out, oh shit, I don't belong here. Actually, no. Good. <laughs> I'm concerned about that because we had so many 39-year-olds like, do I still belong in the club? Stupid cancer.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it was weird because I kept being told, Oh, you're so young, you're so young. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, no, I'm not. Like it didn't
1: No, I'm 39. Shit hurts that I didn't used to.
0: Right? Well, technically I still like to say 38 because I already knew something was like going on.
1: All right. So pre-39.
0: Right. What well, was two months after my 39th birthday? Right, that
1: that's like there's a bell curve there of tolerance.
0: Yeah. And luckily I, I don't look my age. So to speak. I can
1: avow to that, listeners. She does not look 45.
0: Thank you. And I only
1: know that because she told me It didn't ask. You're not supposed to ask. <laughs> but I do know what year she graduated from college, and I did some math. Yeah, you did the math.
0: But with the AYA, I really didn't find out about anything until I had gone through all of my treatments and surgeries.
1: And you had breast cancer out of nowhere.
0: It really did seem to come out of nowhere, But I knew I would get cancer, but I just thought I'd be like 70. Was
1: that just your natural pessimism inside?
0: (gasps) No. Because that's
1: me, not you.
0: No, no. Uh, My mother had ovarian cancer when she was pregnant with me. So I'm a miracle baby. That's crazy. Because it took my parents eight years to even get pregnant. And so during the third month, they discovered she had ovarian cancer. And there was never a scenario where both of us would live and... You know, thrive, it was always one of us uh would die, the other one would live, but there would be complications and this and that, but I was born with a benign tumor on my right leg, so growing up being premature three months early,
1: wow, my kids were thirty four weeks, and I can only imagine another two baked on that.
0: yeah, I was a tiny baby.
1: were you under a pound?
0: I was one and a half Wow. And lungs collapsed. I mean, it was a lot. My mother didn't even get to hold me because she was hemorrhaging to death. Um, It was literally both of us like a live or die situation, which is why we're so close. She drives me nuts.
1: When you tell the story, does it feel like someone else's story at this point? You know, I get that feeling sometimes that I, I don't do justice to the sheer holy fucking gravity of all this stuff.
0: Yeah, it's intense. It's intense. But the thing is, I never thought breast cancer. I thought ovarian or cervical. Right. Because that's where I was headed. It just I had such weird symptoms and I'd already had a mammogram at 35 because of the ovarian um, yeah. and breast connection. So they were like, "Hey, you're clear, come back when you're 40." I'm like, "Okay, peace out." So I put it out of my mind, but then I started having these weird symptoms and no one thought,
1: "Hmm, this could be breast cancer." I love the expression but I did everything right. Yeah, is they really in everything right, or every? It's just bad luck, right?
0: It is, but it's also like doctors. Why didn't you like listen to me? But I really feel it's because I didn't show like the typical symptoms, right. of a white woman.
1: Were you doing self exam between your first mammogram and yeah, and even still,
0: even still. Um, well, the first clue was I gained a bunch of weight. And I'm like, oh, heck no. Okay. I used to be like fit. I grew up doing ballet, musical theater. So Now
1: that's everything right, musical theater.
0: Right. Oh, I so agree. <laughs> um, so that like freaked me out. And then, all right, all right, are you ready for this? My hair started falling out on the left side. And I was Only. like, you missed my hair. We're having some issues. Like, I mean, I get upset because um, my hair used to be to my shoulders, thick, soft, and all of a sudden it turned brittle and it started falling out on the left side. So even just the left side, just the left side. And my, I remember my stylist who had been doing my hair forever. She's like, "Are you missing a nutrient? Like, like <laughs> what is going on?" I, yeah, we didn't know that it was cancer inside. I'm taking
1: vitamin F. Uh, There is no vitamin F.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then I started getting these tiny green bruises on my lower left leg. So because I come from a cancerous family, I'm like, oh, my God, it's leukemia. Yeah. Um, so everyone's running all these blood tests and stuff and they're all negative. Then my nails start to get brittle. I'm like, OK, I'll go see an endocrinologist. Oh, your thyroid. It's fine. I'm like,
1: you are your own episode of mystery diagnosis.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe. It. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that show. Wasn't it's that, still on. Is it?
1: It's like a guilty pleasure to watch.
0: It is. Yeah. I do like that show.
1: I mean, I feel bad for all the people, but th- there's always a happy ending. Always. Kind of spoils it the whole time. Yeah. Are they going to? No, they're not. It's a show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out with this one, I'm still not even done with the symptoms. Like, I got a green bruise and a perfectly shaped circle on the back of my left arm. You get where I'm going here.
1: Like a crop circle. Like, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: And by this time... Even my primary is like, okay, obviously something's wrong. Like you think.
1: So on the list of obvious breast cancer symptoms, you were at like the bell curve of zeroth percentile.
0: Well, the one thing that was just dismissed outright as a zit was on the um, outside of my left breast. And so I go to the dermatologist. I'm like, what the heck is this? She's like, oh, that's a zit. Put some cream on it. It'll go away in like three days. So I'm like, okay. But in my head, I was like, that's weird. I've never had anything there before. So I was just kind of like looking at that, but it went away in three days. So I was like, oh, I guess she was right.
1: This is a comedy of terrors. Seriously. you know what I did there?
0: I did. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it and that was good. But then I get in the shower. It was August 31st, 2015. I'm in the shower and because of all that weight gain, I was always feeling my boobs, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden I thought, and I was like, what the heck is this? I swear to God, it came out of nowhere because I never had any breast pain like, right, or right. nothing. This sucker was like the size of a fist and as hard as a fist, but it wasn't like in like the duct. So it didn't really connect that it was breast because it was like, you know, kind of almost under my arm. And that's when I knew I was like something seriously How wrong. many
1: years was this of weirdness before something was like, oh, she's really sick?
0: Yeah. Years. Two and a half. Damn. Two and a half.
1: That's fabulous.
0: Yeah, I wanted to smack everyone. (laughs) I was just like, really, y'all?
1: I asked this question because I went through eight months of misdiagnosis. When they told me you actually have this, I was like, thank
0: fucking God it's something.
1: Did you have that level of like, thank God it's something? I'm not crazy.
0: I had that moment when I had the diagnostic mammogram and they told me it was a mass. And I was like, well, duh, like, tell me what it is. But I was relieved that they did see mm-hmm. that it was a mass because I was like, if you tell me, oh, this is a lump or something, I, I would really have to
1: be concerned. Right. What is it, a squirrel? I, like, seriously, tell me more.
0: Yeah. But it was only when I had the biopsy is when it started to get like real to me because she the doctor told me she was only going to take like uh, what five to eight tissue samples. So I was right. like counting she took almost 20 and that's when I knew okay she must see something but it still didn't click right that it would be cancer
1: how close am I coming to this isn't covered event horizon
0: oh my god okay so um I was uh working in radio at the time that's this what I know uh but on the sales side
1: okay and that's not this.
0: That's not this. <laughs> that's not this. This is fun. Um, I did not have the greatest insurance, but because I kept going to the doctor and all these tests, I met my deductible. And then fortunately, right before chemo started, I had met my out-of-pocket. Oh, okay. So that was a gift, but I didn't realize all the other expenses.
1: <laughs> the surprise
0: billing. <laughs> exactly. And it was hard because- yeah i'm also single like chronically single i was like how am i going to do this i mean i had to turn into you know someone else to be strong no um divas don't need
1: people (laughs) i speak from truth
0: do you well my cat helped me my cat nathan
1: after nathan lane please
0: no no it's his middle name edgar after poe so he named himself nathan
1: but his real name was like Ida Lipshowitz, right? His real name was Loveham. I'm like, okay.
0: who the heck names their cat Loveham? That's em. not okay. Right? It's stupid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are having the time of our lives here uh, with Megan, Claire, Chase, <laughs> not Megan, Claire, Chase. <laughs> or Megan, Claire, Chase.
0: Right. <laughs> I do take that pause.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. And my God, I have no idea where this is going, but it's gonna be fun.
0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: All right, we're back and I don't know quite where to take this conversation. It's like the timeline is broken and we can go into any multiverse of conversations. I do want to go back to the stupid cancer thing about the alumni. We talked about this before we went on the air. When I turned 40 in 2014, it was like this running joke that's like, should Matt leave? Because, <laughs> like, young adult cancers, 15 to 39, you turn 40, like, you get kicked out. Like, mm-hmm. that's it, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I literally, I'm on stage at the conference in Vegas, and I get up there and I say, I'm officially declaring today Young Adult Cancer Alumni Association Day. So long as you were diagnosed under 40, you will always qualify as a card carrying young adult cancer survivor. Yeah. So you were at the cusp, but you know what? I don't care how old you are. You were diagnosed as a young adult, and that's horrible.
0: It is. And well, what I've discovered but is But you're still here somehow. I am, I, I'm a miracle. It's all somehow. I'm a walking mirror.
1: I mean, between you know, like your mom and how you were born and the preemie stuff, like, you're, you're how many lives do you want? I'm on 14 now.
0: I know it was extra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like, there doesn't seem to be a consistency with the AYA age. Like, sometimes I've heard it's at 39, then I've heard it's the cutoff is at 45. And I agree. Like, I feel like it should be your diagnosis age.
1: That's a question, too. That also came up is like, A, when do you consider your diagnosis? Mm-hmm. And the rationale behind 15 to 39 came out of the government. Oh. I don't take any credit for inventing those numbers. Those are the numbers that came out of all these policy reports from Livestrong about what is young adult cancer. We had to define an age group. I'm like 15 to 39, but then 18 to 40, 21 to six. Like, what the hell? Right. Like numerology. You were in AYA. By default, at at 38-ish. Yes.
0: I love (laughs) that you're saying that. (laughs) All
1: right. So, you know, you joined the club. You are an insanely prolific writer. Aw. Your blog, which is called Life on the Cancer Train, which I love, Is I I tried to print it out. It was 146 pages. I'm not printing it out. (laughs) How did you become so prolific, or were you that way? And cancer just like gave you the vitamin B, not vitamin F shot.
0: Mm, Like that. Well, it's funny because I never thought of myself as a writer, but I do have now 28 journals in my closet, and so I don't know why I never thought of myself as a writer. Um, I always felt more of like a performer, and then going through the cancer insanity. I couldn't verbalize what I had just gone through because I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, uh, what? And I was like, I'm just going to write about it. And then to keep myself accountable, I had never even thought to start a blog, like ever. But I was like, this would keep me accountable. And maybe one or two people might read it.
1: But, but- you you seem to be a natural talent for venting. <laughs> and it just seemed like the steam valve you needed that you didn't know you could like throw – gasoline the two
0: well it really helped me gauge my mental health and i needed to release this negativity and the thing is i felt like at the time where i was and where i was located no one was talking about the anger everyone's like oh you should be so happy and positive positive." and i was like um this is bullshit uh
1: fuck you yeah
0: <laughs> i was like i'm angry and i felt like i i wasn't seeing any writing reflecting that and so i just started writing about that and um just really just releasing my feelings and somehow carving it into an experience a story, and it just seems to resonate.
1: When did you get on Twitter before or after you were sick? Oh,
0: I only got on Twitter back in two thousand nineteen.
1: You have as of today three thousand nine hundred and forty two followers, not bad for two years. Wow, did you even know that? No, am I your publicist? <gasps> you are all right listeners. We're gonna get Meg over the four thousand. Person follower hurdle, Megan Claire, MC, and Megzy. Come on, you're killing me. (laughs) Why Megzy? Why not Megan Claire? I'm sure Megan Claire was probably taking this handle, right?
0: Well, no, here's what happened.
1: Warrior, M E G S I E. All right, Twitter followers, Warrior, Megzy. Good.
0: Yes. So here's how the name Megzy appeared. My hair came back looking like a Chia pet. Like these chemo curls, they are like forever. I have tried to blow dry them straight they just still pop right back and
1: so but at least you got it back true but i didn't did you ever i had a did. this is the radio so i can't show listeners pictures but my platforms are rife with like bar mitzvah photos when i was 16. (laughs) I feel like I should show you now for a live reaction on the air, but I'll spare my listeners. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, for me, growing up in the theater and ballet, I always had hair long enough to pull up in a bun and do French braids. Lots of things. I'm one of those people. I like to do my hair. And so with it coming back short and curly. And yes, I know I rock it. Everyone's like, oh, you look so cute. I'm like, cute like a monkey. Like, what are we saying? (laughs) But, you know, I still did not feel feminine after always having like hair to do. And then um, some high school friends, actually, they Gifted me uh, this pink fascinator. And when I put that sucker on, I felt different. I was like, oh, ooh, who's this? Who's this? And um, someone, another friend, her name is Karen, she goes, oh, you look so Megzi. And I was like, oh, Megsy. Yes, it. That's yes. That's hashtag. Yes. And so every day I have some sort of hair accessory, whether it be a fascinator or a blinged headband. Uh, I'm wearing a head warmer right now. Um, I always have something and that just became my persona.
1: So I want a quick opinion on the metaphor of choice conversations in cancer. Survivor, thriver, warrior, blah, blah, blah. Are you a military fan? Are you not a military fan? You're picking the word warrior. Have you gotten shit for it, praise for it? Like, there, anyone with an opinion will give you one.
0: True, but no one's ever said anything because like the reason why I call myself a- well, of course,
1: you'd kill them first and foremost.
0: Right, with a <laughs> stare. I can cut your head <laughs> off with a stare. Um, no one's ever said anything to me, but I did not really resonate with survivor because my quality of life was so impacted. And I was like, okay, well, I still feel like I'm fighting this body. It's hard for me to even call it my body. I always say this body. So I was like, I feel like I'm at war with it. And I know that a lot of people have issues with like the military terms, but I was like, I'm literally fighting with this body. And so Warrior Magazine just felt right to me. And that's
1: what I use. Something very unique about you, and I think maybe someone who's been around the block with this nonsense for a long time running the communities, you're everywhere, but you don't even know it. You're on, like, I Had Cancer and Elephants and Tea and uh, La Quina Loft and, and Grit. You're everywhere. Was that intentional, or are you your own Jackson Pollock painting?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that Jackson Pollock reference. That's really what I am. Um, it's just, you know, opportunities. And honestly, the first person to publish any of my writing was Mallory from Lacuna Loft, now the Cactus Cancer the other Society. MC. Yeah, the other MC through their unspoken ink course. And so when she did that, it did something. It like lit a fire in me. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe I do have something to say. And so with my blog, and then I got some confidence to just start submitting to organizations and, you know, publications, and it just kind of grew. And now it's really exciting that people actually come to me and say, hey, can you review this? Hey, can you give me a comment? Hey, can you write a story? It just grew out of nowhere.
1: Well, I I read that you gave an abstract recently at APOS, which is the Psychosocial Oncology Society. Like, where'd that come from? That's pretty cool.
0: Right? Oh, my God. Okay. Like, if you had told me even... Five years ago, that I would be up on stage being a co-author of an abstract talking about science, like I would have just laughed in your face,
1: Doctor Mexi. Right, a telephone call at the front desk.
0: <gasps> oh my god! Doesn't that sound great, Doctor Mexi? Um, but <laughs> honestly, it started with Facebook DM from Stupid Cancer. Um, it was I a, know those people. It was uh, she was in undergrad for pre med and. She was doing a, a survey about grief and infertility and AYAs, and so she had been following there my blog,
1: person, <laughs> right? And I was like,
0: "Hi, I just had everything removed," and um, so we started talking. And I always want to help students, and we were talking, and she actually reached out to me a couple of weeks later and was like, "I know this sounds weird, but I just felt really moved by our conversation. I was wondering if you wanted to help co-author an abstract uh, with my professor." About the conversations between AYAs and providers regarding fertility, and I was like, "Heck yeah, I will!"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's really how it happened. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm like a, a research advocate, right, Doctor Mexi?" I love it, and it was just so great, though, because we were the only duo. First of all, to be accepted to present was huge, right? Yeah, like I was freaking out, and it happened to be. And just for so listeners
1: to know, like, there's a huge vetting process. To present abstracts, like I don't know how many people in the listenership universe are that geekified to appreciate that. But the vetting process alone could take a year.
0: We were over the moon and it was really unique because we're up there. Francesca. Hi, Francesca. Um, She's giving the science behind it and I'm humanizing it and talking about the experiences. And I got the patient experiences. So together it was just Beautiful, And here I am talking to, you know, researchers and oncologists and they were just like, whoa, because they had not heard the stuff before, like the humanizing it.
1: So I want to spend our last couple of minutes talking about your transition from Atlanta to Albany. I don't know anyone who's ever done that before and survived. <laughs> because like they just seem so antithetical. Like you might as well look out to like the North Pole because every soda in Atlanta's Coke and every soda in Albany's pop, like there's no brand names in either city. You know? <laughs> I went to Binghamton, so I I have friends in Albany. We went there all the time and like Wegmans, what's this? My God. Yeah. Like so I really want to spend some time talking about your theater background. Where'd that come from and how handy has it come in? these days okay so
0: everyone always wants to know how'd you end up in albany uh for college and i actually grew up in macon georgia which is like an hour and a half south of atlanta
1: i understand that atlanta is the only city in georgia though (laughs) right there's more than atlanta in georgia yeah there's more okay yeah
0: just a little bit so i went to the college of saint rose in albany new york and the way i selected that college was Oh, I wanted to go to a college that was close enough to New York City that I could get there, but far away enough that I could concentrate on my schoolwork because my family was like, you cannot major in theater, but you can minor in it. And I was like, all right, then. Okay, so we'll do communications. And I was like, this sounds like a Megan Clarish kind of college to go to. I didn't even visit. So I got this huge scholarship and I was like, let's go. I arrive in August, and I'm already freezing. And my mother's like, she goes, you
1: know it's going to get cold Like, don't even own a coat?
0: No, she literally <laughs> shipped it to me. She's a Yankee. Uh, and my father's from the Midwest, so, like, they know cold. And so my mother would watch the weather reports. And so she knew, like, when to send me the jacket uh, and the hats and the boots and this and that. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely uh, a learning uh <laughs> learning curve
1: you had to literally acclimatize yourself to albany
0: i did i did
1: wait so i, I want to forecast did the theater minor become a theater major
0: um no but it definitely has served me well yes so i think it shows in even in my writing also when i speak with people give speeches or whatever because i'm i'm you so you have no stage fright I do have, I am shy. No, really? I am. Okay. Well, maybe a little shy, not a lot shy, but there is some shyness. Okay. You know, I mean, I want to do I'm well. I'm squinting
1: at you to the listeners. But <laughs> I, I kind of don't trust that answer, but okay.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, I get nervous because I care about something. If I don't get nervous, then that means I don't care about it. That is that's true. a problem. Well done. Right. And But there's just something about being on stage and- getting to talk about something I feel passionate about, but I do miss, you know, acting.
1: You have a uh, one or two favorite roles you've done or haven't, or want to do one day. Ooh.
0: Okay. I do have a favorite role. This is from back in the day now. Um,
1: is it Brick and Dune? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> you know, they're re- reviving it. Are they? Yes, they are.
0: Do they call you?
1: Daniel, what's his face from Harry Potter's in it?
0: Oh, so. <gasps> yeah. I've got glasses. I can, I can be in that. <laughs> um, no, it was actually the Will Rogers Follies.
1: Will Rogers Follies. Yes. It's a okay. great show.
0: Yeah, it was very dramatic how this happened. So I was one of the six single sisters, say that quickly, and- it turns out that Ziegfeld's favorite, she had gotten in some sort of accident or something. So she was in the emergency room. And so the director, he calls me. Keep in mind, there were no understudies. This is in Macon, but our Little Theater had huge productions. They were known for it. And we had an awesome choreographer. Costumes looked just like on Broadway. And so he goes, um, she's in the emergency room. We don't have a Ziegfeld's favorite. Can you go on? And I'm like, "Uh, Sure. Yeah, of course I can. <laughs> Why not? Literally memorized her lines. Well, I mean, well, when you're in a play in a musical, you memorize the whole script anyway. And learned her choreography. And I played her part and my part. So I was basically doing all these quick changes in the wings. And it was amazing because I got like a standing ovation. And that was when I knew. Because I was like, boy, if you could just jump in like that and do it and be convincing. I was meant for stardom, but you know, then life.
1: But that's the right kind of dopamine hit. Yeah, you really, really want. Yeah. I can I feel that because you know I'm a stage performer and a concert pianist and all that stuff. You need the audience. You really do. So, just to not confuse the audience, Megzi's Follies is different than Sondheim's Follies. <laughs> there are two follies. It's regrettable. End of theater nerd rant. <laughs> so, what's in store for you? You have. Big, I mean, we want We got to get you back on stage. You're already on stage now. The world is hopefully getting back on stage. You need to be on stage. So what's your hill to die on? What is the one thing that you want on your tombstone? Megzi did this. Mm, Gosh, that's a really good question. Marrying Denzel is not an option.
0: Dude, I'm chronically single. There, they're, Like, I don't think that the guy exists on, on this planet, okay? You know, honestly, I would really just love to be on Broadway or, no, a one-woman show. You mentioned it one time. Someone else literally mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. And I really think, I was like, I do have stuff to say. So that is what I'd love to do. Because that, to me, it's scary to think about, which means I have to do it.
1: Dumb. Dum yep. da 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 da, mm-hmm. da dum, dum. dum, dum da, da 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 The name on everybody's lips is gonna be... Megzy. Megzy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. On that note, Megan, Claire, Chase. <laughs> uh, what's the URL you want people to go to?
0: Um, they can go to warriormegzy.com.
1: Warriormegzy.com. And let's get her over the 4,000 hurdle on Twitter, folks. You're amazing. You got to come back. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dump, <laughs> dump, dum, da, da da, da da. We just lost every listener. <laughs> it's the end of the show. All right. Bye now. Bye. That's all for now. If
0: you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.